This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Your gastro and intestinal tract is very sensitive to emotions. They can all cause symptoms for your gut, and it also goes in reverse. So the signaling goes both ways. Intestinal distress can be the cause of anxiety, stress, or depression. You have to view it as there's a direct link between the two. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll discuss your gut health. We'll learn the difference between cleaning and disinfecting. We'll find out more about the best fitness apps. And lastly, we'll explore treating arthritis in cold weather. But first, a little bit of business. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. Joel Thuna is a master herbalist and general manager of Purely Natural. He strives to improve the quality of natural products on the market and passes along his knowledge of herbal remedies through lectures and articles. Joel is a regular contributor to The Tonic Magazine and is a regular guest on this show, and we love having him on. Welcome back, Joel. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, and hopefully you can say the same, sir. Yep, I am. We're getting into the guts of the new year, which is good. (laughs) I know I made you laugh, because we're going to talk about gut health today, right? We are. So why is gut health at the top of our minds? Why do you think that is? Well, it's because everyone has had this renewed focus on their overall health, their emotional health, and their immune health because of the situation, in air quotes, that we've been living in the past two years. And the starting point for all good health is all in the gut. And so gut health is a massively hot topic right now. And most people end up talking about prebiotics and probiotics, but a lot of people have heard those terms, but they don't really know what they mean. All right, so what do they mean? Can you run it through really quickly? What's a probiotic and what's a prebiotic? Probiotics are bacteria mostly, but it can also be yeast that provide a health to your system. So it's pro, good, biotic, etc. Now, prebiotics, that's the one many people have heard but really have no idea about. Prebiotics are specialty fibers that are the food for probiotics. And the cool thing is that if you take prebiotics and probiotics at the same time, the prebiotics act as a multiplier for the probiotics. So instead of you actually, say you take 2 billion probiotics and you take it with the right prebiotic, that 2 billion is actually more like 10 billion. And it's really cool how that works. So in talking about the guts, we have to sort of use a phrase called the microbiome, which is super scientific, but it's not that complicated, is it? What's a microbiome? Microbiome is really easy. It's just the environment. And you have a gut microbiome, and what that is is just the environment in your gut. 
And you have to remember that the gut microbiome is a hostile one. It's composed of trillions, and yes, I do actually mean trillions of bacteria, fungi, and other microbes. Some of these are good for you. Those are called probiotics. While other ones are bad for you, those are called pathogenic. And the probiotics are constantly fighting the pathogens for dominance. And the problem is the dominant of them controls your health. So if the probiotics are dominant, your health is good. If the pathogenics are dominant, uh uh-oh, your health goes downhill. And this battle is a vital one, and it happens every single solid second of every day of your life. And in the balance is your digestive health, your immune health, and your emotional health. Okay, before we jump ahead to those three health systems, the gut physically, does that include your stomach, or is that your intestines, or both, or what is it? Clinically speaking, it does not include your stomach. Yeah, I didn't think so. just your small and large intestines. So basically, the area of your digestive system from the end of your stomach till your bum. Got it. Okay. Now let's jump back ahead and discuss the connection between your gut health and digestive health. Sure. Now, your gut is where food's broken down, nutrient absorption happens, and waste elimination occurs. Essentially, digestion. So the link between your gut health and digestion, that's one you can visualize pretty quickly. Bad gut health impairs your digestion, it impairs your nutrient absorption, and it means waste elimination doesn't happen too well. And so it can have serious implications on your digestive health, which in turn has serious implications on your overall health. Right, because if you're not getting the proper nutrients, then your body isn't fueled properly and it weakens and then all sorts of other things can potentially happen. Correct, and the backing up, per se, of waste, that's another nasty part of it. Right, and that's a pretty good indication that you do not have good digestive health if you have those backups, as you call them, right? Correct, definitely correct. Okay. Anything else you want to say on digestive health or you want to move on to the next one? Not really. We can move on. Okay. So let's talk about the connection between gut health and immunity because that isn't quite as straightforward. No, it isn't. But if you think about it, it does make sense. If your digestion is impaired, you won't absorb the nutrients you need to have a healthy immune system. That's the base level. Then you move to a deeper level. And we have to start looking up at the immune system, what it is. Mm -hmm. And Many people feel that it's a bunch of cells somewhere in their body that attack foreign invaders to keep us healthy. And a part of your immune system works that way, Mm -hmm. only a part. And it's about 70% of your immune system works that way, where it seeks and destroys bad viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Now, the 70% of your immune system that does that is entirely housed in your gut. This is where that battle we spoke about earlier between probiotics, which are good organisms, and bad pathogenic organisms takes place. So if you think about that, 70% of your immune system is in your gut. That means the vast majority, and so if there's an issue there, there's an issue there. Hmm. And your gut and immune system support each other. They're, They're symbiotic, and they work to keep you healthy. The healthy bacteria found in your gut are also used to stimulate the development of immune T cells. And that's a phrase a lot of people have become familiar with. And those are the cells that are responsible for distinguishing between your body's cells and pathogens. So we want to make sure that those T cells are happy and healthy so that our body 
doesn't have the case where immune system fights itself. Makes sense. All right. So here's one that I don't think a lot of people realize, and that is there's a connection between gut health and your emotional health. Can you sort of walk us through that? Definitely. Again, the base level is when your digestion's impaired, you won't absorb nutrients, you need to have good overall health and good emotional health. But yet again, there's another deeper layer. The bacteria in your gut perform multiple functions for us. They're part of literally millions of reactions every second, and they produce hundreds of neurochemicals that our body uses and in some cases needs to function. Now, one of those things is a neurochemical you may have heard of called serotonin. Mm -hmm. Serotonin is vital. It influences your mood in, in cases happiness, anxiety, depression. It also is involved in cognition, learning, memory, sleep, as well as gastrointestinal activity. But 95% of your supply of serotonin is actually manufactured by the bacteria in your gut. Hmm. So if you're missing that or your, your gut isn't healthy, you're missing out on that serotonin, and that affects your mood, not in a good way. And so this is all part of a field of study that's still relatively new called the gut-brain connection or the gut-brain axis. Mm -hmm. And your gut links to the way you feel, and some of us can figure that out pretty easily with, with some phrases. I'm sure people have heard of a gut-wrenching experience mm -hmm. or you feel nauseous when you're nervous. Mm -hmm. Have you felt butterflies in your stomach or <laughs> the cold feet just before marriage? Yep. All of those are symptoms either that your gut causes for your emotions or your emotions cause for your gut. Hmm. And your gastrointestinal tract is very sensitive to emotions, specifically anger, anxiety, sadness, and elation. They can all cause symptoms for your gut. And it also goes in reverse. So the signaling goes both ways. Intestinal distress, be it heartburn, abdominal cramps, loose stool, can be the cause of anxiety, stress, or depression. You have to view it as there's a direct link between the two. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, it all makes sense. Okay. So now we've sort of laid out the groundwork how all these systems are interconnected. What can we do ourselves to help the process? What are your recommendations? Well, the first thing is to go back to where we started, probiotics. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm one of those people, and I, I know many people out there take probiotics each and every day. And the reason is probiotics, in you, your body's constantly using them up in the battle between them and pathogens, so you need to constantly replace them. Now, part of the confusion lies in how probiotics are marketed. Yes. I'm sure you've seen it out there. I've seen it myself where you see something. It's 20 billion CFU, which stands for colony-forming units, and 20 different species. Right. And the problem is it sounds wonderful, but what does it really mean? When you hear those numbers, say, for example, 20 species, you have to understand that there are literally thousands upon thousands of probiotic species. The vast majority have never been tested for effectiveness, and the vast majority of those are completely and utterly worthless. Mm -hmm. Many products tout high numbers of species, 
But in the end, the vast majority of them, the species don't do anything for you. Then you move to the CFU count, or the colony forming unit count. Again, a lot of companies go out there and they say 20 billion, 15 billion, 50 billion. I've even seen one product that lists 200 billion. But if you look on the side, you'll see that the numbers are in species that have never been tested. Hmm. So again, it may be completely and utterly worthless. What I choose to do is I choose probiotics that are clinically researched species at the clinically researched CFU. What the ones I use are Bacillus coagulans, Bacillus subtilis, Lactobacillus acidophilus, and Bifidobacterium bifidum. Those are the four that I look for. Okay. And the whole point is you don't need to get huge numbers. With, for example, Bacillus coagulans, one billion is a clinical dose. Bacillus subtilis is the same thing. One billion is a clinical dose. And you might say, okay, if one billion is a clinical dose, 50 billion is going to be great. Yeah. Not really. More than likely, you're just going to be pooping out the other 49 billion. But they're not going to hurt you. They're just not going to help you, right? Correct. They're not going to hurt. Well, the only place they'll hurt you is in your wallet. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Fair comment. But they won't hurt you from a medicinal standpoint. That is definitely correct. The other one people say to me is, well, do I really need to take probiotic supplements? I eat yogurt and fermented food every day. My answer to that is simple, that the yogurt and the fermented food are definitely not negative. They're good. Please continue, especially if you enjoy them. Go for it. Enjoy them. The problem is rarely are there products out there that are foods that have clinically tested species at the clinical dose. Got it. So you're just not getting enough of the right ones, but what you're getting is not going to hurt you. Fair enough. And what do you look for in a prebiotic? What I look for in prebiotic is clean. Clean, clean, clean is a big for me. I don't like products that have like 30 or 40 ingredients with this. One. One ingredient. A good prebiotic is, is great. I look for ones that are organic. I look for them to be vegan and Ideally, actually, because probiotics are much better when taken with prebiotics, I look for them to be together. So one prebiotic, one or two probiotics of the right species in the same product. Easy peasy. All right. So we have a few minutes left. Let's talk about lifestyle choices that might help us with our gut health. What do you recommend? Eating better and drinking better. And with this one, I want to be very specific. With this, you don't need to be militaristic. You don't need to go, I need to do this, 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 and this, at this level. Da, da, da. Yep. Don't do that. The reason is you'll do most likely, you'll be great at it for one or two days, and then you're going to beat yourself up, and you're going to fall off the wagon, and you're going to go much worse. Mm-hmm. Instead, be realistic. Every time you put something in your body, it's a choice. You can choose either a healthier option or an unhealthier option. Try choosing healthier at least 75% of the time. Okay. Aim for more fruit, fresh fruit and vegetables, both in volume and variety. Sticking with that, that's something you can do. With drinking, try and drink as much clean, healthy, simple water as you can every day. Mm-hmm. Nothing that's fancy, nothing in a bottle, just clean, healthy water. And if you don't like the taste of plain water, as I know many people don't, for those people I say to add liquid greens chlorophyll 
It gives your water a little bit of flavor and at the same time gives you antioxidants without any of that artificial stuff. Sound advice, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It is always my pleasure. Happy to do it. That was Joel Thuna. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss cleaning versus disinfecting on The Tonic. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural liquid greens. Echinoforce by A. Vogel is clinically proven to prevent and treat multiple virus strains. Made with fresh, organic, GMO-free plants, it's 10 times more effective than dried echinacea products. Safe and effective for the whole family, including pregnant and nursing women. Order Echinoforce online at avogel.ca and get 20% off with promo code TONIC20. Echinoforce is also available where natural health products are sold. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Melissa Maker is the expert behind Clean My Space. She's an accidental cleaning expert because she hates to clean. In 2006, Melissa launched Clean My Space, a cleaning service in her hometown of Toronto. In 2011, she decided to create digital content to help drive bookings by launching the Clean My Space YouTube channel. While Melissa has delivered her expert advice on cleaning products, tools, and do-it-yourself substitutes for over 10 years, she wasn't always a cleaning pro and understands that people are looking for practical, time-saving solutions to everyday problems. And for more information, you can visit cleanmyspace.ca. Welcome to the show, Melissa. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Jamie. So this is good for me. There's a division of labor in my family, and I will tell you what it is. I do the shopping, and I do the cooking and the occasional washing of dishes, and others around me in the family or hired do the cleaning. I know nothing about cleaning. I mean, I'm a clean person, but I don't clean myself. <laughs> so you call yourself an accidental cleaning expert. I may be one. Let's find out. What does that mean? Sure. Well, you are the exact reason why I started my cleaning service back in 2006. You and I are very similar. I would gladly forego going out for dinner or shopping to pay for someone to clean my house because I hate doing it that much. So in that, I saw an opportunity. And then, like you said in the intro, I mean, I saw there was this weird thing called YouTube, and it was sort of driving traffic to websites. So my husband, who works with me and is a co-owner of the business, suggested that we start making these videos. We started helping people. We started building this online community, frankly, of other people who both love 
and hate cleaning. Um, And we've just been going forward since then. But I think you represent a lot of folks who feel very much the same way about cleaning. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I kind of know I'm no dope. I know the difference between cleaning and disinfecting, you know, from a definition perspective. But there's a deeper meaning there, right? There is. And I think over the past couple of years, it has been brought to the fore, which certainly someone in my position appreciates. It's like cleaning is getting a little voice. You know, cleaning is something that's really in the background of our lives, whether it's our home or a public space. We tend to not think about it so much, but especially over the last couple of years, cleaning people and cleaning practices have really become more important. So specifically when it comes to cleaning, you know, the way I look at it is that sort of like tidying, organizing, dusting, removing visible spots, marks, and dirt, whereas disinfecting is taking it to the next level. So after you have a clean surface, that is the only time you can adequately disinfect something. You would then apply an appropriate disinfectant product. You would allow it to sit for the appropriate amount of time. And believe it or not, different products have different what's called sit times or dwell times. And then you would either let it dry or you would wipe it off. And at that point, your surface would then be 99.9% free of germs, bacteria, viruses, etc. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah, and I think, you know, everybody appreciates, you know, having a clean space to live in, right? Like some people are hoarders or clutter bums and, you know, they're probably okay with mess, but mess is different than dirt. And I I think people's attention is now more focused to disinfecting just because of the pandemic or the plague, as I like to call it, you know? That's right. And, you know, what I always say, both in the cleaning business aspect and also on my, you know, in my online content is that cleaning is really subjective. You know, what I consider a clean space is different than what you consider a clean space. And then, of course, you know, while cleaning can be subjective, disinfecting is really objective, right? Like we have to get that process right if we want to make sure that we're getting rid of the potentially harmful stuff. Okay. So let's talk about your approach to cleaning and, and, you know, whether that's actually changed over the last little while because of a certain situation situation, I'm picking up what you're putting down. So (laughs) generally speaking, you know, I'm not someone who's too, too concerned with disinfecting. I really feel like there's a reasonable amount of germs and bacteria that can exist in our homes, on our surfaces. It's helpful for us in our immune systems. But of course, you know, over the past couple of years, I have been more mindful. I have, my daughter will be four at the end of the month. So I have a young one at home, but even for my husband and I, for my parents, like for anyone who I've been sort of chatting with and advising on a personal level as well as on a public level, you know, disinfecting has become more important as well as really good practices like hand washing. You know, I used to be reasonably mindful about washing my hands, but now when I come in, jacket comes off, shoes come off, I immediately go to the sink and I wash my hands. And then when it comes to disinfecting, that two-step process I was mentioning earlier, cleaning the surface first and then using and applying the disinfectant, allowing it to sit for the appropriate amount of time, I'm doing that more in spaces where, you know, if we've had a visitor, you know, we have to have this appliance installed and repaired today. So after that, I'll then disinfect those surfaces, whereas a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have thought twice about that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a slippery slope, right? I have friends who, you know, we jokingly say they have OCD, but that's obviously not a joke. But, you know, there are people who have different ideas of, you know, the propriety of doing that and how far they're prepared to go. You know, we joke, one of my best friends, his safe word is Purell because he's mm. constantly disinfecting his hands. And, and whereas, you know, when people were washing, you know, fruit and vegetables as they were coming into the house at the beginning of the pandemic, that was just to me, that was a bridge too far. I feel the same way. What do you think are the most important areas, you know, because not everybody has an infinite amount of time to do the cleaning and disinfecting. So if we're time sensitive, where should we be focusing? Well, let's think about it like this. You know, and I have what I call the sandwich rule. So if you were to pick up a sandwich and eat it with your bare hands, would you be okay touching a particular surface before picking up the sandwich and doing that? If the answer is yes, you don't need to disinfect that surface. But if the answer is no, or it sort of makes your friend with the safe word (laughs) raise their eyebrows, that might be an area that you want to clean or disinfect, rather. And in the content that I create and sort of the lingo that I've built around cleaning among my community, I have this acronym, MIA, or Most Important Areas. Okay. And for me, during this time, I would say points of contact, so doorknobs, light switch plates, you know, buttons on the microwave, kind of anything that we're touching our face and touching those buttons, handles, flushers, levers, what, what have you. Those are the areas that I would want to disinfect. And I would also say, you know, bathrooms, toilets specifically, everyone has like a hang-up about the toilet being so gross. But the truth is, and research has been done to prove this, you know, a kitchen sink, like the drain in a kitchen sink because of its proximity to the J-trap, which is kind of yep. the pipe that lingers right under the drain, yep. that is the dirtiest place in your home, not the toilet. So yes, disinfect the toilet by all means. Things happen there. We all know what's going on. We want to clean it. But, you know, thinking, oh, now I have to be on top of disinfecting the toilet. Like that is not going to protect you as much as being mindful of the points of contact, good hand hygiene, et cetera. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, I I would even say like, to give an example, we have a sponge and a rag that we used to, to clean the kitchen, you know, after cooking, we, we do a ton of cooking in our house. And, you know, the sponge and the rag in and of themselves have to be disinfected because if they're the tools you are using to clean the other surfaces, you know, even when you're rinsing them off, you know, they still need to be disinfected because they're like the frontline workers of the surfaces in your house. Am I right oh or wrong about gosh. that? I'm stealing that. You're going to you're going to hear that in one of my upcoming videos. The sponges and the cloths are the frontline workers. You couldn't have said it better. And I'm glad you brought that up because so many people don't think about cleaning their cleaning tools and, you know, cleaning with a clean mop head or cleaning with a clean cloth. That's a great point. And I'm really glad you brought that up. You've got to make sure your cleaning tools are clean, cared for, or changed frequently and dried, by the way. Like your sponges have to be rinsed and dried so that they don't harbor bacteria. That was a great point. Yeah, so you'll let me know after the interview what my cut is on your video, okay? (laughs) Okay, it'll be an NFT. (laughs) (laughs) You're working with Clorox right now, so can you explain some of the products that are helping you doing the cleaning? Yeah, you know, the one that, I mean, everyone knows, of course, about the famous wipes, and I think, you know, they certainly had, they're like celebrity status at this point. Yep. But one that I've been the most excited about, I have to say, is the disinfecting mist. 
And that's because it's easy to use. And the other thing that I really, really like about it is that they're taking a stance on reducing plastic waste. So that's a big deal for me. And when you think about, you know, plastic bottles in store and how you finish a bottle and you toss the whole thing, but it's like a really well-made bottle and trigger, they're actually selling refill bottles so that you can reuse the trigger. So I love that. But on top of that, you know, disinfectants, you have to be really careful on the surfaces that you're using them on. And typically they're great on hard, non-porous surfaces. So, you know, like natural stone, for example, mm-hmm. not supposed to use a disinfectant on there. That might be a light bulb moment for some. But, you know, this is great for counters, doorknobs, couches, car interiors, plastic toys, bedding. I always recommend with disinfectants that you just use it as directed. Take a second to read the back of the package. But it's a really nice non-aerosol, but it's a mist. So the non-aerosol factor is great as well. It's just a mist. You easily spray it on. You let it sit. It dries. And then your surface is protected. So I have to say of their new lineup, like that, it's also bleach-free. Like that, there are just many reasons to really celebrate this product. So I've been really happy with that one particularly. Fantastic. If people want more information and want to catch you on YouTube, what's your channel? It's all called Clean My Space. So if you just go to your favorite search engine and type in Clean My Space, you'll see probably my head in a toilet somewhere. Cool. (laughs) A video of me holding out hopefully a clean cleaning cloth. And, uh, you know, you'll see our website, our YouTube channel. We're on Instagram. Yeah. Anywhere you like to hang out online, we're probably there with a cleaning tip. Fantastic. Thank you for coming on the show today. Oh, it was my pleasure. That was Melissa Maker. We have to take a short break. But when we return, we'll discuss the best fitness apps part two on The Tonic. Hi, this is Jamie Buston of The Tonic. If you enjoy The Tonic talk show and podcast, you'll love The Tonic newsletter. With links to the podcast and articles from the magazine, the newsletter will also let you know about upcoming health and wellness events, curated articles from across the internet that expand on the health and wellness topics important to you. There's contests and prizes and so much more. Best of all, it comes directly to you. To subscribe, be sure to visit thetonic.ca. The Tonic newsletter, you know, for what ails you. Ever wonder if your probiotics are really working for you? To fully benefit from probiotics, you need to ensure they're not destroyed by your stomach acids. Clinical studies prove that enteric coating guarantees safe intestinal delivery of live, active probiotic cells. New Roots Herbal offers a variety of enteric-coated probiotics formulated to meet your specific needs. Available exclusively at fine health food stores. Find them in the refrigerated section. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Susan Galuzzo is a leading transformation coach and health expert. She's transformed over 10,000 people to lead fulfilling and healthy lifestyles in studio as well as online with her Best of You program. You can find her at SusanGaluzzo.com, on Instagram at Susan Galuzzo, and on Facebook, Susan Galuzzo. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Glad to be back. Yeah. So last month we discussed a couple of fitness apps, the pros and the cons. I think it was Sweat and Jillian Michaels, but you had a couple of more that you reviewed. So I thought it would be great to bring you back and let's get to it. Where do you want to start? Let's start with an app called 8Fit. Okay. So the number 8 yeah. and then F-I-T. That's how you would find it in the app store. Okay. 
And who's this one for? Is it for everybody? No, I wouldn't say it's for everyone. It's for somebody who has specific goals because the app creates a personalized program for your diet and exercise. And I would say it's for more of a serious, somebody who's serious because to go from the free, which is free, to $39.99 per month, you have to be pretty serious about it to want to go that stretch. And you're probably somebody that doesn't just want to dabble in workouts. You want to do workouts and meal planning. And, you know, the way I see it, these apps that have that much information are for people that they, they're like, you know, maybe I can try this on my own and see how I do. And then, you know, so yeah. not a huge weight goal because I, I think that people really need accountability and this app does not have any accountability. So it's on-demand workouts and meal planning. It's excellent for people who like a lot of guidance and instruction. The app creates for you a personalized program for your diet and exercise based on your goals. What I really liked about this app is clearly they were, when they were designing it, it was somebody who knew about fitness because sometimes I get into these apps and I'm like, oh, whoever was writing this was not a fitness person. And it's very obvious because of the questions they might ask. And so this app, I actually like the questions. It was the variables that matters to when you're determining somebody's goal. So not only their height, their, height, their weight, but an estimated body fat, and they used a, an image of, does this look like you or does this look like you? And who do, who, where are you trying to get to? And I think just that alone sold me in the beginning. In the beginning. Mm-hmm. It wasn't sold the whole way through. So the workouts are very mechanical, not as bubbly as the next app that we're going to discuss. Super mechanical, just very, here, follow me. Very bland, black. Like one workout that I did, the instructor was in black and gray. The background was in black and gray. She was very monotone, uh, and it was very, it felt robotic. So it wasn't, you know, the high energy, but that, sometimes that's for people. Some people like that kind of energy where they, they're getting a, you know, just here's, it's super black and white, you know? Yeah, I used to uh, go to spin classes when the studios were open, and, you know, everybody has their favorite instructors and it really is a personal thing some people you know you go for the enthusiasm and you you know the cheerleaders type but you know some of them are so over the top with their affirmations and it really is very personal you know i had one that would jump up on the handlebars and stand on her bike and you know yell at everybody oh my god and and you're either into it or you aren't so so this this is sort of sounds like it's the other end of the spectrum sorry Mm -hmm. go on so what I didn't like about it is it was very sneaky how they try to get you to purchase because you just want to click the button, click the button, get past all the the things that, you know, yes, 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 yes. But then they try to sneak in the buttons to get you to commit to the thirty nine ninety nine monthly plan ah. the, or the $99 for the year. And you're just trying to get to the free part because they want to try the app before they buy it yeah. for free to see if, you know, they like it enough to make the purchase to get the unlocked version. We we know you're holding things back, but let us get in there for free fast. The faster I get in there, the less likely I am to, you know, completely forfeit the whole challenge of trying to hurdle your obstacles that you're throwing at me so that I get frustrated and I move on. And that's kind of how I chose these apps was if I got frustrated with the intake process and the onboarding, that's it. I jumped ship and I moved on to another app. Okay. So I think it's in their best interest to just give the app for free fast. 
Got it. Talk to me later on about purchasing and da da da. You know, they try to yep. upsell, I think, too fast. Yeah, that can be off putting. And so, like, aside from the hard sell, you know, what are the merits? Like, you said the exercises are sort of mechanical, but is there a selling point? Is there something unique about this particular app that might appeal to somebody? You know, they do determine your meal goals and your fitness goals with those variables that your height, your age, your weight, your sex, mm-hmm. your body fat. So, that I did like, and it was pretty accurate. So, like I said, whoever is designing this app did a, did a great job in designing those questions. And, you know, I would use the free version for sure. I don't think I would upgrade to the monthly plan. Okay. And why is that? Because you don't think Not the value is there? Variety. Okay. Not enough variety. You know, a lot of these apps are coming out with so much variety in terms of workouts meditation and yoga and running and jogging and and hit and this one i found it didn't have as many it's probably going to get there looks like it's going to be a good work in progress and i read some reviews online about this same app so it looks like it's you know it's not a it's a popular one that's for sure got it okay but you know they do have other coaches in the app as well and i i got a chance to watch two or three of them but yeah not i'd say not as much variety Okay, so let's move on to the, yeah. the last app then. Yes. So the Apple is called Fitness Plus, and it's something that, yes, you do need the Apple Watch in order to use it. Okay. And what I like about it, you know, of course, you're all the health tracker in your sure. phone. So all the so metrics are there. Yeah. Yes, it's connected to your watch. A very wide variety and diverse celebrity type instructors. And I've never seen so much diversity in apps. You've got Every race, sexes, weights, different. These are not your typical instructors. There was a pregnant instructor. There was workouts for elderly, workouts for limited mobility. And then you have the different types of workouts for any age, any level, any type of exercise. So there was meditation, yoga, HIIT, workouts for pregnancy, older people. There was ski Olympic medalists doing a series of workouts. There was even a dancing workout. So this has, I mean, are we surprised? Obviously not. It's Apple. Apple comes out with an app. It's going to mimic every other product that they've ever put out, which is you're paying for what you get. And, you know, the fact that it, I think it's free with the watch for a bit. Then I think you have to get, I think it's free for three months because I just got my watch. So this was fun one to try. Mm -hmm. Over half the workouts require no equipment. So I feel like it's very mobile. You just, if you have your watch, you're in a hotel room, you can do one of their 20 minute, you know, workouts. Or like, if you don't feel like if you're walking around in LA because you're visiting, you can do a workout walk and it's got a celebrity's voice walking you through that walk, talking to you about, you know, and you can watch the screen where they're walking or there's running. And then you've got even like, you can walk with Prince Philip. You know, like if you wanted to do that, sure. Okay. I'm not sure. There's like, but then there's Reba McIntyre. Yeah, again, like, if, of course, if, if I'd if, love to if, listen to Reba McIntyre walk. Like, I want to see. You know, it's really nice to see some of these nostalgic celebs that you knew, and you're like, yeah, what's it like with them right now? So, God, I might even pick Prince Philip over Reba. Sorry, <laughs> you and I are not on the same page there. So, do you need a watch and another device, like a laptop or a phone, in a order phone. to do this? Okay, you do need a phone and your watch. You can save, like I downloaded the, so you can have your earbuds have a walk on your earbuds and listen that way. But in order for you to view the workout, 
you need your phone. And it loads up really nicely, super quick. You can see the instructor very, you know, their uh, background compared to, you know, the other apps. You know, they went all in. They went all in with this app, and it's not something you would get bored of, that's for sure. I could definitely see myself using this long-term. And it's for the more serious. You know, somebody who is also supplementing their workouts with outside, they're doing a variety of things, that's who I feel like this is for. And then they're doing, you know, they're filling in the blanks with their home stuff and the home stuff they want it to be, you know, a 10 out of 10. And that's how I feel this Apple Fitness app. Suzanne, one last question. What are the workouts for perhaps older listeners? What are those like? You know, they're respective of older people's mobility. They move a little bit slower. And, you know, there's different types of workouts. You can cycle or uh, work out or walk with an older person. And, you know, she's moving at the pace of somebody who's fit. You know, she's still a fit mature woman but you know she's respective of the person and and the level that they may be at because you know they're 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 dictating from home or whatever and so there's also stuff for beginners that i found was very similar to the older adult sounds great do you have a sense of what the price point is for that after the free which i believe is three months when you purchase the watch it's 12.99 per month fantastic i think it's great thank you so much for coming on the show today My pleasure. Have a great day. That was Susan Galuzzo. We have to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show and podcast, I'm also the publisher of the Tonic Magazine. The Tonic is published six times a year and is delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. It's also available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA. And if you miss it, you can also read The Tonic online at thetonic.ca. Hey, if you like The Tonic Talk Show, I know you'll love The Tonic Magazine. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Dr. Aaron Boynton, or Dr. B, is an orthopedic surgeon with a unique approach to musculoskeletal pain, blending the art and science of medicine. As the first female orthopedic surgeon to work with the MLB and NHL, she has extensive experience dealing with overuse or wear and tear injuries. She's a regular guest on the show. Welcome back, doctor. How are you? I'm doing great, Jamie, and thanks for having me. So, you know, days are getting longer, but it's still pretty cold out. And with the cold weather, there's lots of aches and pains. But some of those pains are connected with arthritis, right? For sure. I think it's one of the big fears people have uh, in the cold weather um, when they start feeling joint pains that, oh, my God, I have arthritis. And, you know, how do you distinguish whether it's just kind of a wear and tear injury versus some real arthritis? Okay, so what is arthritis for somebody who doesn't know what that actually means? So arthritis is a painful swelling of the joint. And there are, believe it or not, are over 100 different types of arthritis. Hmm. Um, and the, the two most common that people have probably heard about are 
rheumatoid arthritis, which is an inflammatory arthritis, versus degenerative osteoarthritis, which is a bit more of a wear and tear type of phenomenon. Okay, so it, so it isn't too far removed from like an injury that you you might experience, right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, what are the symptoms of arthritis which define it, even though there are different kinds of arthritis? The big thing is pain and swelling of your joints that lasts for more than about six weeks. Okay. And, and certainly if you're having pain in your body, uh, in your joints for more than six weeks, you need to go to the doctor and have a checkup. Okay, so how does the pain feel, right? Because there's pains that you get from muscle overuse, and then there's sort of acute pain, which occurs, you know, like if you're exercising, and all of a sudden you feel a sharp pain. But that's not arthritis, is it? Well, it can be. Okay. Uh, and this is the thing that's a bit tricky about it. And that's why you need to go to the doctor and have, they, they do a history. So what happens when you come to see us is that we'll monitor when the swelling develops in your body. Is it in the morning? Is it in the afternoon? How many joints are affected? Are they symmetrical? Like, is it your hands? Is it the big joints? Is it the small joints? Do you have other symptoms such as fevers? Sort of a more systemic type of condition. Or is it something that's just related to being out and shoveling the snow and uh, or a specific activity or a change in your activity? So the history is very important. Is the type of pain, like, can you diagnose based on the description of the pain or is that too subjective to... It's pretty much subjective, particularly when you have pains and, and swelling, you could have had an injury. Right. You could, you know, you could have sprained your ankle, which which causes a similar type of pain. And so this is where... A lot of people just sort of pass off this ache and pain to the cold weather or to shoveling the snow. But if your symptoms are persisting, I think it's important that you go get a checkup where the doctor can examine your body. They can look for actual swelling in the joint, which is a big distinguishing feature between arthritis and, say, um, an overuse injury. Okay, so at what point would you recommend that somebody go see their doctor because it might be arthritis? Like, how long should that pain exist before you take that step? Probably about six weeks. Okay. So if you've been diagnosed with arthritis, what is an effective treatment for arthritis? This is going to depend whether it's the inflammatory type or whether it's the wear and tear. Okay. And and, and most of the inflammatory types, the first thing I always start with are are the things that you really promote on your show here, which is general wellness, you know, anti-inflammatory diet, decreasing stress, getting good sleep. And then... If those aren't effective, we need to consider medication for dealing with inflammation. So we'll start with things like Advil, Aleve, Naproxen, under the under the guidance of your doctor. And if those don't work, then there's much stronger medications, steroids and the biologics that your rheumatologist will, will help direct. But I think one of the most important things uh, and the message that I'd really like to get to our listeners is just because you have pain and you have some arthritis, it's very important that you keep moving. So if you have the inflammatory type of arthritis, get the inflammation in your body under control, but then you need to keep moving. And if you have degenerative arthritis, movement is even more important because the excess of load on the joint often has to do with how you're moving. So it's not stop moving, but change how you move. So is building muscle relevant to helping deal with arthritis? Absolutely. It is probably one of the most critical things that you can do to help with the joint pains because you lose what you don't use. Right. And the natural instinct when people have pain is to stop. Right. Rest and then they ice and then you get weaker and then you do, say you go and you do an activity, you actually get pain faster. Right. And then you're more afraid and then you stop doing more and then you can do less. So it just becomes a vicious circle. So 
I'm a big believer in isometric contractions. Right, which we discussed. I think that it's so important that you can use isometrics in a very safe fashion, even if you have a swollen joint, to help maintain your strength, keep your mobility, and try to prevent yourself from going down the rabbit hole. Right. So to be clear, you can't really cure arthritis, but it can be treated, right? The pain symptoms, can, the symptomology can be treated. But if you have arthritis, you have arthritis, right? Yes, it's true. And again, if it's the underlying inflammatory type, that's a little bit harder to cure. Um, but oh, is it? it? It can be because it's a systemic problem. It has to do with genetics and autoimmunity versus wear and tear arthritis. There's many different factors. Genetics can play a role and you can have damage to a joint surface. Right. But if you manage to offload the wear and tear on that joint, you can be asymptomatic for years and years and years and never really have to have anything done. But if you don't change how you're moving and how you're loading the arthritic joint, it won't be cured. Other than the isometric uh, exercises, which we discussed in a previous show, are there other types of exercises that you find your patients, like it works for them, it resonates? For sure. I think that when we're talking about overloading joints, you want to do activities that don't load the joints. Right. So I love water. I think that the the pool is an amazing, amazing place for somebody with joint pains. You can go in there, you can float in the water, relax and and move without putting your full body weight through your joints. So I think it's a very effective um, modality. Okay. So there are machines that actually you can get a good aerobic workout and build some muscle without putting the strain on your joints. For example, like a Stairmaster might be an example of a non-weight-bearing machine. Do you advocate for those? Anything that you can do that you're moving that feels good for you. Um, I also like a lot of variety. I think that if you get going just in one routine, then you can develop imbalances. So I like people to mix it up and cross-train. So maybe Stairmaster one day, swimming one day, cycling one day. But everybody's a little bit different in the way that their body's lined up and how they use their muscles. So the most important thing is really to do what feels good for you. Okay. Now, as I've gotten older, I've incorporated a lot more stretching and yoga type movement, both pre, but more importantly, post-workout. Does that, is that going to impact arthritis at all? Does that make a difference if you're stretching? Uh, it's, it's a fabulous thing to do to, to rebalance your body because when you're doing your activities, you're developing imbalances. Right. So you, if you're right-handed, for example, and you're hitting a tennis ball, you're going to develop imbalances and asymmetries. So doing the stretching, what it really does is it re- restores alignment to your body and you're able to activate your muscles better. So it's a, it's a warming up and cooling down are key, key components to staying healthy. Okay, so we've discussed exercise and we've discussed medication. Are, are there other forms of treatment that work to help with arthritis? Well, there are, there are injections, uh, cortisone injections, okay. PRP. Uh, they're all the rage. Um, I'm, I'm, the jury's out for me. You know, okay. When you look at the science, there's some very positive things. But I think that the bottom line is that you need to really control how you're loading the joint. And these... Uh, injections can be a temporary improvement in your situation. So say you've got really a lot of swelling in your knee. You get a cortisone injection in your knee, the swelling goes down, your pain goes down, you feel better. But then you have to get to the understanding of why did your knee swell in the first place and then really address that and use that window of opportunity to strengthen, do your isometrics, get back to the gym and try and prevent the next episode of knee swelling. I can't speak to the other injections, but having had cortisone before, you know, it only works for a certain time period. And then, you know, there are diminishing returns if you keep using it. And there are impacts if you keep using cortisone as well, right? 
Absolutely. Um, there can be significant impacts. Uh, these days, particularly if you're going down the road of a joint replacement 10, 20 years down the road, right. multiple injections into the joint aren't, aren't healthy. They put you at increased risk for complications uh, within a short time period, like certainly six months to a year, you shouldn't have an injection and then have a joint replacement because there's a higher risk of infection. Or, oh, okay. Yeah, it's actually become quite well known in the literature now. So we're very, very careful. Okay, so you're a surgeon. Is there a surgical response to arthritis? Like, does it get to the point where surgery is can be necessary and, and does it actually work as a, as, as a result? Well, if you get to the point where uh, you need a joint replacement, then absolutely, they're highly effective. But the things that we've been talking about here on the show really are to try to prevent you from right. getting to the point of needing a joint replacement. But if you've got end-stage arthritis, where you're bone on bone, right. then joint replacements are highly effective. We're really good at them these days. But I also am a proponent of doing exercise before to prepare your body so that you know how to move and get going after the surgery. You'll have less pain, less swelling, and your recovery will be much easier. Okay, so one last question, one last takeaway point. You know, if you're one of those people who are suffering from pain and you've stopped exercising and you're gaining weight, how do you break that cycle? It's a really challenging problem. And I see this a lot with people with knee arthritis or hip arthritis and they can't walk anymore. And so the weight goes up and with each increase in your weight, two and a half times your body weight goes through your legs. So it's a significant then detriment because you get more pain. So I really encourage people who are putting weight on to try and focus on the isometrics build muscle because when you build muscle you build your engine so that your metabolism goes up and don't focus so much on your weight you know it's it's, it's not a crime this is something that's happened it's um it's unfortunate but we need to break the cycle so get you in the pool get on the stairmaster and focus on your isometrics and strength building to get your muscle up fantastic thank you so much for coming on the show today it's my pleasure jamie what do you want to talk about next time you're on I want to talk about this uh, awful, painful foot condition called plantar fasciitis. Sounds great. That was Dr. Aaron Boyton. Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Joel Thuna, Melissa Maker, Susan Galuzzo, and Dr. Aaron Boynton. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can always follow us at It's The Tonic on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of The Tonic magazine. The January-February issue is available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. Or you can visit our new website, thetonic.ca. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can always email me at janie at thetonic.ca. On our next show, we'll discuss the health and wellness issues that are important to you. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.